1: But store up for yourselves treasures in the heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Here's what Paul said. I've learned. I like he says, I learned this. This didn't happen overnight. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want.
0: As you listen to today's message from Pastor Danny, he encourages you to model yourself after the heart of the Apostle Paul. It's definitely something that's easier said than done. However, the Lord will help you to grow and to mature into this position if that's what you're desiring. Pastor Danny stresses the importance of not putting your hope in the things of this world, but putting your hope in the Lord and the eternal inheritance that He has for you that no one can take away. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: If we chose to, we could spend as much time in Hebrews 13 as we did in Hebrews 11. That is not the way I felt the Lord lead me. And so what you have here, the Holy Spirit moving the pen of the writer, and he goes from one topic really to another. I mean, just in quick succession. And all of them are to be an aspect of the Christian life. Now, if I spent four minutes on each one, that's 48 minutes. So no extra charge for the additional three minutes. What you have, as you do in so many places uh, here, is Hebrews, if you remember, we dealt with a lot of doctrine. Now, we slowed down quite a bit when we looked at those characters, those heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But you have a lot of doctrine here, and now as it closes out, the Holy Spirit again moves the pen of the writer, and you get some very practical things. And you see that time and time again. For example, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters is nothing but doctrine. The last three chapters is nothing but practice. Here's the doctrine, and here's how life ought to be lived now in light of these truths. And when you think about that, if my pattern of living does not corroborate what I say I believe, then I have nothing significant to say. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the last part we read, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is the idea of being set apart, separated unto the Lord. And my lifestyle, your lifestyle ought to reflect that. James 2.14 says, what good is it if a man says he has faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Faith that, that has no corroboration by living. If as a church, all we ever did is just preach the word, what significant thing would he have to say to the world? But if we're reaching out, doing good, and thank God there's a lot of good being done in the name of the Lord, then you have a testimony. Testimony. Jesus said about the Pharisees, the most religious people in in his day, he said to his disciples, do what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. And so in quick succession, 12 things, verse one, keep on loving each other as brothers. That could be a whole message, as each of these exhortations could be a whole message in themselves. But now when I read that one, every time I read it, keep on loving each other as brothers, my first thought usually is growing up with my older brother. And when it says keep on loving each other as brothers, the first thing I think about is we fought like cats and dogs. Well, wait a minute, maybe that's part of it. You know, there's some recorded fights in the Bible among believers, Matter of fact, some of the best fights you could witness (laughs) were between believers. You go to 1 Corinthians, you read the the, the letter to the Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians letter, and you, you know that it starts off saying that they had all kinds of spiritual gifts. I mean, there was no other church recorded in the history of the Bible that had more spiritual gifts being manifest than the church of Corinth. And yet they fought like cats and dogs. There were divisions. They were taking one another to court before unbelievers. Remember, Peter comes to Jesus when Jesus talks about forgiving your brother, and he says, Lord, how many times? And remember the answer. Peter's trying to be spiritual. He's trying to go beyond what the rabbis taught. They taught, well, three times, and then you can smack them. Peter's like, seven? How about seven, Lord? He's trying to be spiritual. And Jesus says, not seven, but 70 times seven. And that is not a mathematical equation. Again, I always remind us that you don't count down 490 and then after 491, Pop them. No, it's the way God forgives us. Like I mentioned earlier, His mercies are new every morning. God will forgive me when you won't forgive me. And He wants us to be like Him. Luke 17, uh, Jesus said, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day. Now think about that. Same brother, same sister, and they sin against you seven times in one day. By the fourth time, I'm I wanting to smack them. And yet Jesus said, they sent against you seven times in one day. And seven times come back and say, would you forgive me? You know what the apostles said in response to that? Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. <laughs> that's, that's tough, Lord. We're going to need real faith to do that. And you do. And I do. If you want to really test it, just get married. Well, we got to move on, though. Uh, it, But listen, this is the number one mark of a genuine believer. What? Jesus said, by this all men will know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And that kind of love is the kind of love that Ephesians 4, 2 says we are to forbear with one another. You get relational in the church, you're going to find out we're all imperfect. I've been walking with the Lord a long time, but you hang out with me very long. You're going to find i got problems. We all do, and we will until we see Jesus. Now, we should be growing. That's not an excuse for failure. But Ephesians 4, 2, forbear with one another, and then it says, and forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. And you got to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. That's the numero uno mark of a true believer. Verse 2, don't forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. And there's several recorded ones. One of the most famous is Abraham, the three visitors that came and he fed them. And one of them was the angel of the Lord. That's Christ in the Old Testament. What a bummer to get to the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things revealed that you lose reward over is God sent an angel and gave you an opportunity to reach out to an angel. Now, when he does it in that fashion, uh, they don't... They don't have the wings at that point. Now, I don't know how God does it, but there are times when he sends these angelic beings, but they take on human form. And if you didn't know uh, any differently, if heaven didn't communicate it, you just think you're dealing with a human being. Amazing to think about. And we're not talking about going out and looking for strangers. We're talking about a stranger that happens to be in your life and, 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 and God has put them there for you to reach out to, to reach out to. To show hospitality um, to invite over to your table where you're sipping coffee. And hey, listen, as a church, listen, we need to be looking for these kind of people. I mean, wouldn't it be wild? And, and I think it's probably happened, maybe more than once, that God sent us an angel. I remember God years ago when we were meeting in uh, Shorecrest. We were meeting in their cafetorium at the time for our Sunday morning services, probably around 70, 80 of us there, you know, it was about the size of the church then. I remember this gentleman comes in, nobody would ever seen him before, and he sits right in the front, right down in the front. We never saw him again after that. And I made sure I greeted him. What if he was an angel? Hey, listen, Romans 12, 13. Say it with me. Ready? Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Galatians says that first and foremost, we ought to be, Showing hospitality to strangers in the church and then in the world. We ought to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Practice hospitality. It ought to become just a regular part of our lives. Last thing I'll say on that, look, from the children's ministry to the youth group on up to life groups and ministry groups, don't be cliquish. Don't be cliquish. I've heard some reports sometimes that people come into some meetings and and everybody's with the people they already know and already comfortable with and somebody new comes in and nobody reaches out to them. That's a very unchristian thing. Reach out. Look for the new faces. Look for the person sitting by themselves. And at least, at the very least, greet them and maybe invite them over with you. Maybe invite them to lunch. You find a stranger today. Any angels here today? Any angels? two angels right there. Take them to lunch. Verse three, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now in the day this was written, there were actually believers in prison. And he's saying, look, remember those in prison, your fellow brothers and sisters. But it goes beyond that. You look at Matthew 25 and the parable there that Jesus told. You look at the life of Jesus. It's not just reaching out to even uh, believers that have been mistreated or in prison or whatever. Reaching out to the world as we have opportunity. That's why we do prison ministry here. And uh, I wish we could get at least 10 more prison teams uh, this year before the end of the year. We need more. You ought to, if, you're not, if you're not doing anything, one of the best places you can volunteer and get involved is prison ministry team. And the best thing about the prison ministry teams we send out, uh, you go into the prison, you come back out of the prison. <laughs> I used to do a lot of prison ministry before we started Saturday night service because that was the day I would usually go. And my schedule just changed because of the growth of the church. And I don't get to do it very often anymore. But it's one of my favorite ministries. But I used to always, you know, because my background, you know, I was a real rebel. And I would, I would be in there right now if I hadn't gotten saved. I'd be in prison or dead, one of the two. And it used to always, even though I know I'm a Christian, I haven't done anything wrong, it used to always bother me a little bit to go in. It's like, oh, are they going to let me back out? And then the peace of God comes back over me again. Oh, I'm saved. It's okay. Praise the Lord. Verse 4. <laughs> Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Last week's message, if you weren't here, you ought to get it. Fighting the flesh, and we especially talked about uh, that appetite of the flesh that I think my numero uno one to fight, and that is sexual temptation. We talked very practically about it last week and how to win the battle, and you can win the battle. It is winnable. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now it's getting personal. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now again, in this day, these believers had really experienced this in a way a lot of us probably never will. Because if you go back to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, here's the encouragement there. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You identified with them. You sympathized with those in prison and, get this one, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Remember the one ruling when this was written was Nero. And sometimes Nero and the government, just because you were a Christian, came in and took your stuff. And it says they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. This was very personal to me, especially now. One of the things people have said over the years that I, I, it must be true because pe- a lot of different people have said it in my ministry here as pastor that I, they use this word. They say, you're so transparent. You're transparent because I share my struggles. I share my failures with you. I, I try to be an open book, nothing to hide. And uh, one of the things I've struggled with over the last few months from time to time is not being content with what I have. Let me tell you what I mean. Years ago, when things went south, and uh, my 403B, which is the same as a 401K, it's just in a church, it's a 403B, and it's your retirement account. For years, I didn't have a retirement account, and then some guy in the church said, you really ought to start putting money away, and uh, I'm like, I don't really believe in retirement, although I'm believing in it more sometimes these days, (laughs) certain days, certain weeks, but, you know, I started, I met with the guy, you know, that handles that stuff in, in our office. And, and I started putting things away, you know, stuff taken out of your check for retirement. Then years ago, you know, when things get south, went south and my retirement account went south, like a lot of yours did. And I got so fed up with it because I, I, I can't not look at what the market is doing. I just, I, I mean, I'm going to look and see what's happening. One guy told me, you just never look. I'm like, I can't do that. I haven't been able to do that anyway. And so I just got out of the whole thing. I felt the Lord was leading me to do it. and I'm not blaming the Lord, but I felt like the Lord was leading me to do it. Just get out of it and put it in a fixed account. You get 3% a year on your money, which is not much. And so you lose that opportunity uh, for for your nest egg to increase. Well, when I got out of it, uh, the Dow was a little over 8,000. I looked at the Dow on Friday. It's about to set a record, an all-time high. It's over 14,000. And I start to do the math. If I'd have stayed in it, what I would have now versus what I do have now. Is that being transparent? You know what happens every time I go there? The Lord speaks to me. And he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's not to say you're not to have a retirement account. That's not to say it would have been wrong for me to get back into it and now have a lot more in my retirement account than I would have, but every time I go there, he speaks to me, and he also reminds me, and here's what I'm reminded of every time, while I got out of that years ago, and at this point I've never gotten back in it, that whole time, I've never stopped investing in the kingdom of God, I've never stopped investing in the kingdom of God, and he reminds me every time my stock in heaven has never gone down, and it never will. Amen? Listen, I love this statement by Louis Giglio. Follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money, and there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. You know, when I didn't have any retirement account, I didn't struggle. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to give it away necessarily. Be content with what you have. Because the Lord had said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hey, say this one with me. Come on, you ready? Let's say this. Ready? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in the heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Here's what Paul said. I've learned. I like he says, I learned this. This didn't happen overnight. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Amen. Verse 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Our greatest heroes in life ought to be Christian leaders, godly Christian leaders. But with that said, anybody ever here had a Christian leader fail you? Fail you? I have. I got saved in the spring, 19 years old. Started going to the only church I had known that my grandmother had taken me to when I was like five years old. At, At that time, we walked to it. It was just up the street from where we lived. And uh, that was the only church I knew. And the same pastor was there when I got saved at age 19. And so uh, when I got saved, that's the church I became a part of. They had a youth pastor at the time uh, that was so charismatic. And so, uh, he's so funny, and everybody loved him, and he was a great teacher of the Bible. And uh, I was 19 years old, and there was no group at that time in that church where I really fit except the youth group. And even though I was just out of high school, I went to the youth pastor. And I said, hey, I don't really fit with any other group. You mind if I hang out with the youth group? He says, no problem. So spring, all the way through the summer until I went off to Christian college, uh, I became a part of that youth group. And it was tremendous. I mean, it was a great youth group. And this guy was a great youth pastor. First letter I remember getting from my mother when I got to Christian college was about my youth pastor. And it was discovered that he had had several immoral relationships in the church, not only with ladies in the church, but with some of the youth. I was blown away. I was blown almost away. It hurt me so bad. I was so, it was such a challenge. I know what it is to have a leader fail you. Read it again. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, not their failure. Not their failure, their fate. I believe the Holy Spirit linked verse 8 with this for a reason. Look at verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not forget if a leader fails you. Jesus never will. He never will. James says every good and perfect gift is from Above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Come on, say this with me at the bottom. Say this, Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Verse 9, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. There have been a host of them over the years that have tried to get a foothold here. There are actually people, uh, leaders in this church, former leaders in this church that were friends of mine that are no longer part of the fellowship because they bought into some strange teaching. And and we as a leadership took a stand and said, if that's what you're going to believe, you can't teach it here. And so they're gone. It hurts. It hurts. I mean, people I was close to. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. And if it's something that's odd and it takes a lot to understand, it's not the simplicity of this gospel. Paul said in one verse to the Corinthian church, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that you also would be robbed and led away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Christianity is not hard to understand. It's a challenge to live, but it's not hard to understand. So watch out for strange teachings. Now he goes on from that and he says, It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. And he makes this statement. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. And he's talking about those that are still clinging to Judaism and trying to attain their own righteousness through Judaism. And the statement is anything, any teaching that you're trying to become righteous by some act or some work or some religious observance. No, you'll never get there that way. By grace are you saved through faith. Add not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Can you say, thank you, Lord, for that? Praise the Lord. Now, from that thought, he goes, verse 11, and he says this, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city. But we're looking for the city that is to come. Now he takes us to this other thought. Here's what Paul said. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is this exhortation? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. And be willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. Don't you back down. Let's don't back down. Let's don't be arrogant. Well, let's be bold. I'm not ashamed. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget. Milestone in my Christian life when I first got saved, longest walk I ever remember making as a Christian was from the parking lot to where I worked at the time, B.C. Morin Sons Department Store. For those of you who have been around for a long time, I've told this story before. And I felt like every eye in Hartsville, South Carolina was on me. And word traveled real fast, but the word traveling wasn't exactly true. They just didn't understand. The word traveling was, Danny Hodges got religion. And I have to correct him when somebody say that. No, I got saved.
0: You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. The Living Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. People having idols might seem like an outdated idea, but the truth is people have all kinds of idols these days. It might not be a carved image or something that you literally bow down to, but what about your priorities? It could be sports or that TV show that you just can't miss or anything that takes your focus away from God and is put in a higher standing than Him. The book of Hebrews is great at highlighting how God should be in that top priority spot. And if anything else takes his place, then it's an idol. Do you see these areas in your life today? Well, we all have things that we need help to keep in check. And Hebrews provides a solid reminder of who God is and how nothing else can compare. We're so glad that you've taken the time to listen today. Here at The Living Word, we'd love for you to pray for this ministry. We always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first, just like Hebrews focuses on. We need God's guidance. So would you pray that we'd always recognize His voice? Thanks so much for praying. If you'd like to connect with us in person, check out ccfstpete.church for our service times. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Hebrews right here on The Living Word.